0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: All righty, hour number two of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show. Welcome on in on this Tuesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. The Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, is running out of time. And it's unfortunate because if you ask me, do I believe Justin Fields could play in the NFL and be a good quarterback? I do think he can be one day a good quarterback in the NFL. But you look at two things. Right now, in the current, he has an injury, a dislocated thumb. It's expected he's going to miss this weekend up against Stu's Raiders. So maybe the Raiders are actually going to be four and three, which would be crazy. After seven weeks of the season, and he could potentially miss more games than that, than just that one game. When you also see the environment, the Bears, I believe, have failed Justin Fields more so than Justin Fields has failed the Bears. Now, that doesn't mean Justin Fields doesn't have room to improve and Justin Fields just gets a free pass for some of the shortcomings, but... The Bears are where quarterbacks go to just, like, die, it feels like. The Bears' quarterback situation historically has been dreadful, where if you look back to the summer, remember when Justin Field said, I'm going to become the first 4,000-yard passer in the history of the Chicago Bears, and it's going to happen this season. And while I admire that confidence, and I respect him saying that because the uplift an entire organization, an entire franchise, and an entire city, you got to have somebody lead. you got to have somebody that has confidence and that shows up to to work with an exuberant attitude and kind of a bold and cocky attitude as well because this is a league of alphas, right? This is a league of lions when you look in the NFL. And for Justin Fields, I thought this going into the season that he was being set up to fail this year Because there were some people on ESPN saying, oh, he's a dark horse candidate. I think it was Greeny to be MVP. And I'm like, what the heck is Greeny smoking? I know Greeny's a Jet fan. Is he doing some ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers? And then you had the Fields comments himself where I go, even though 4,000 yards seems pretty easy now in the year of 2023 in the NFL, it's not easy if you're the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And also, when you look at the way that Justin Fields plays, there's a lot of running that goes into his game where if he's throwing the ball to get 4,000 yards passing to hit that th- uh, threshold, you're then taking away a good amount of times that you could be running. And while long-term, that may be the best thing for Justin Fields, it was never going to be the case in the short term. Because Justin Fields running the football, elite, really strong. Throwing the football, there's some good moments. And then there's a lot of moments where you go, He has work to do. But you see the Bears, they've had a dreadful offensive line in his short tenure with the franchise. They now have DJ Moore, and I'll give him credit. Two out of the last three weeks, they've looked good as an offense, and it's unfortunate timing with the injury. But they were starting to get going in that Broncos game that they choked, and then the Commanders game was a big statement for them in an isolated window in that Thursday night Amazon Prime spot, and then last week it was ugly. So I look at the Bears... And I look at Justin Fields, if he was given a few more years and if they invested in that offensive line, if they got him another weapon outside of DJ Moore, if they got the right head coach, if they got the right general manager, then yeah, I do believe that it could eventually work. But you know what happens? Organizations change and there's a constant cycle here. And most likely at the end of the year, we are trending in the direction that probably Ryan Poles is going to be out of a job as the general manager after two years. And Matt Eberflus after two years is going to be out of a job as a head coach because you look at where the Bears are positioned, they still have a long ways to go. And I mean a long ways to go. But their draft picks are going to be excellent draft capital and excellent draft positioning because they have their own first-round pick, which just for starters is going to be in the top five. And then you have the Carolina Panthers pick, which after six weeks of football, it is as clear as clear it could be with how many bad teams there are, like the Giants and like the Patriots and like the Broncos and like the Chicago Bears. There is no worse team. And there is not a team in football now that is more uninspiring than the Carolina Panthers. And that's what the Panthers putting up 14 points, getting right out of the gate to a 14 nothing start up against the lethal Miami Dolphins and then allowing 35 points unanswered and you end up getting your doors blown off in that game. But the Panthers stink. The Panthers are a garbage football team. The Panthers are painful to watch. I do a weekly uh, interview every Friday. I jump on uh, one of our affiliates, WFNZ in Charlotte, on Mac and Bone Show. And every Friday, they they kind of apologize to me. They say, Zach, we appreciate you doing the hit every week, but the football season, and they said this in September, It wasn't even the end of September, and they were already saying the season's over. And they're not wrong, because you look at the Panthers right now, and we'll talk about the Panthers in in, in a little bit later on the show, but their line stinks. You know, Adam Thielen's still solid, but he's not a number one wide receiver in the NFL anymore, even though he's having a solid year. And there's no players on the offensive side of the ball that make you go, ooh, like, look at the Carolina Panthers. They can at least have some hope for the future. And Bryce Young, I believe, can be a good quarterback, but I do believe he's going to get messed up by the Carolina Panthers. So the Bears have the Panthers pick from the Bryce Young trade in the draft. So the Bears right now are positioned to be 1-2 and two in the draft. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the way at the end of the year. The Panthers will definitely get them the number one overall pick. Maybe the Bears win another game or two, and that pushes them down to like 3, 4, or 5. But the Bears are a lock to have two picks in the top five. And if you have two picks in the top five, it, and let's just for argument's sake say you don't get number one. Well, let's say, I don't know, I'll give some team a bone. It won't be your team, Stu, because you guys have too many wins. But I want to try to like pump up Stu a little bit and give Stu some hope. Because Stu looks down in the dumps even with his football team being 3-3 three and three, and maybe on their way to being 4-3. and three. So maybe this is teasing Stu and this is backfiring. This isn't a good thing because then I'm allowing Stu to envision life with Caleb Williams. But let's just say we live in this uh, this fake world where you have Caleb Williams to the Raiders. And that's how it ends up happening. Maybe Josh McDaniels does something crazy at the draft and he trades up to the number one overall pick. And you do not have the Chicago Bears in a spot to draft Caleb Williams. You're telling me through a scouting process where Ryan Poles didn't draft. Well, he won't even be the GM next year, but even if he was, or ever you bring in, you go through an entire scouting process for someone that didn't draft Justin Fields, and you're telling me they're not going to fall in love with one of these other quarterbacks if it's a Michael Penix Jr., if it's a Drake May, um, Shador Sanders, if he does not go back to Colorado, whoever that guy may be. Of course, you're going to go through the process and say, the rookie quarterback contract of Justin Fields is coming to an end soon I don't feel comfortable paying him elite quarterback money and he doesn't deserve that right now and you're going to reset the time clock of the organization you're going to with a new coach most likely and a new GM coming in do a, a restart and then latch on to some of the pieces that they have in the organization right now one of them being DJ Moore, and then also having those two draft picks so Justin Fields He'll have another chapter, he'll have another era, but it's going to be somewhere else. Because time is running out for him in Chicago, and it's unfortunate, right when he finally starts to play well, and there starts to be moments where you're like, okay, I could actually tune into the Bears. I could actually watch the Bears and see if there's some development, see if there's some growth from Justin Fields. He now has this injury. And he's expected to miss at least one week, if not more than that. So for Fields' future, because it makes sense for the Bears, use your two first-round picks, get a quarterback, get another talented player, get a new coach, get a new GM, have them build to the future with DJ Moore as well, and then also get back some capital for Justin Fields. Because there's going to be another offensive coordinator, another head coach in this league that looks in Justin Fields and says, wow, the Bears messed up. It happens all the time. Josh Rosen, that one year when he was in Arizona, and then the Cardinals said they had to go get Kyler Murray. The Dolphins said, yeah, we'll give up a second-round pick to go get Josh Rosen. We could fix him. The Carolina Panthers with Sam Darnold. They said, oh, we could go fix Sam Darnold with the Jets. What may be, and I don't want to say that Justin Fields is garbage because he's not, but what may be one team's trash could be another team's potential gold, And there will be teams in a quarterback-starved league that say, I could fix Justin Fields. Because there's logical reasons to think you could fix Justin Fields. And also, the easiest slam-dunk argument of them all is that every quarterback the Bears take, they end up ruining. Or they don't end up having success with. So you could look at the Bears and say man, it was more of what they did rather than what Justin Fields did. So here are some teams, and I'll start off with one of them being inside their own division in the North. If Kirk Cousins is Dunzo at the end of this year with the Minnesota Vikings, now I don't know if the new Bears regime is going to want to trade him in division, but imagine just from a speed perspective, Justin Jefferson and Addison with Justin Fields. That seems like Madden. That seems like a lot of fun. I don't know if it will work, but it's a better landing spot for Justin Fields in Minnesota than where he's currently at in Chicago. However, that's probably unlikely because there has to be a scale if you're Chicago where you don't want to get burns where Fields ends up being this next great quarterback and you gave him away for only a second round pick. So whatever a team like the next team I'll bring up is the Falcons offer. I don't know if it has to be double, but it has to be more than what a team that isn't in your division would offer. And Atlanta would be a good destination, too. And I've said this before on this show. Desmond Ritter right now is probably trending in the direction of not being the guy for the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith thinks this guy is, like, the greatest quarterback of all time, though. Because the coaching over the weekend by Arthur Smith, how many times are you going to allow your young quarterback to throw the ball when you should be a run-first team of Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier? And Ritter did a bad job managing the game you got to take a time out there on third and goal at the two, but the coach has to take a timeout as well. So the Falcons roster has a lot of talent with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algio, Kyle Pitts, and then also Drake London. You need a quarterback. And if you're a Falcons fan, you may say, I don't know if I want fields because you just went with another young quarterback. Maybe you want someone that's more solidified, but no one actually thinks Desmond Ritter has a ceiling to be a great quarterback in this league. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Justin Fields having that ceiling of being a really damn talented quarterback in the NFL. I also don't think it would hurt the Broncos to take a flyer on Justin Fields. Now, I do believe that Sean Payton's preference would be to draft a quarterback. But if you only have to give up, let's say, like a second or a third round pick for Justin Fields, I think it's worth it. Because Sean knows Russell Wilson is no longer the answer. And, And whether there needs to be a a guy to bridge the gap until you get your next answer. I believe Fields has enough upside where maybe Fields turns out to be like Jared Goff, where when the Lions make that move, I know there was more pieces to it because they got two first round draft picks and they traded Stafford to the Rams. And there was a lot more complexities with that deal, but no one in Detroit thought Jared Goff was going to be the guy. And now Jared Goff is the guy. So you look at the Broncos. They may not look at Justin Fields as if he will definitely be their guy. And maybe Sean doesn't have the time as he thought he did to kick the tires on a potential project. But if you don't have to give up a ton of big draft capital, and we know that organization's given giving a ton of draft capital up anyway, and they've been able to survive where the, the Sean pick is coming to an end this year and the Russell deal has already been completed and what the return was for it, I don't believe the Broncos are a bad spot. few more teams here that could land Justin Fields. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not ready to say Kenny Pickett isn't that dude yet. But I haven't seen enough from Kenny Pickett to make me say he is absolutely that guy. And it's very young. You're a year and a few games in, and he didn't even start from the beginning last year because the Steelers did that idiotic thing starting uh, Mitch Trubisky for the first few games of the season. But you see the Steelers, they have some talent with Pickens. And, you know, I look at a team like the Steelers, if you walk away from this season and say, yeah, eh. I'm like in the middle on Kenny Pickett. I don't know what if, you know, you know if he could succeed. I do believe that a guy like Fields has a higher upside than Kenny Pickett. And then the final two teams that I'll give you. Tennessee's going to need a quarterback after this year. Because Ryan Tannehill isn't it. And his time's coming to an end. And now he just suffered an injury back-to-back seasons in Tennessee. I don't know what direction that team is moving. Because Tennessee keeps on trying to make it as if they could still contend. But the last two, three years, you don't go into the season saying, oh, wow, I expect Tennessee to be a lethal team. But then they're aggressive, getting DeAndre Hopkins, not trading away Derrick Henry. They made that stupid decision, which they really waved the white flag uh, on on that team's chances of potentially ever getting back to a Super Bowl by trading A.J. Brown and restarting it with Traylon Burks, which was a dumb decision at the time. But they're going to need a new quarterback, and you cannot be trying out Ryan Tannehill next year. I don't think Will Levis is the guy. I don't think Malik Willis is the guy as well. And Justin Fields would instantly become the best quarterback on that roster. And here's just like a curveball that I'll throw at you. Where I think this player is is a solid player. He's a good player. No one would have thought we'd ever be talking about him starting a few years ago in 2023 and getting rewarded with the contract. But if we continue to see up and down play from Geno Smith, where they're like, once again, a 9-8 and team. And Geno Smith was a comeback player of the year last year. A lot of people wrote him off, but uh, he did not write back. And he told everyone about that. But if you see Geno regress and Geno looks more like the Geno we got to see up against a good defense with Luana Rumo's Cincinnati Bengals, I know they just paid him. And I know they also have uh, Drew Locke on the roster, and like the only one that likes Drew Locke is uh, Pete Carroll. But if Fields is going to like a backup role, or you know, and I do think he could land in a spot where he could start, I don't think it's the end of the world if you're Seattle to give up like a second round pick to go get the services of Justin Fields because he could be your next guy in a team that's loaded with offensive talent when you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and you just drafted, I know his career has been a super success so far, but you just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I had high expectations coming out of the Ohio State, plus the two running backs in Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. So Fields' time is coming to a close. It's unfortunate in Chicago, but the timing is right where they're going to move on this season. I give you a few teams, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Broncos, Steelers, Tennessee, and Seattle. Who's the team that you could see landing the services this offseason of Justin Fields? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. We'll take a break. When we come on back, we'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio. We call that segment The News Brief.
2: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley financial stuck in a timeshare and one out contact Wesley financial group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com time to get to a news brief.
0: And for your daily news brief, we get you caught up on
1: the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. Let's go to Billy O'Brien, who was asked about his quarterback for now,
3: Mac Jones. Bill, no, sorry yeah. you were asked this earlier, but is, is it your expectation that Mac will start this weekend? Yeah. Yes.
1: Hmm. That was short. That was really short. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That wasn't really that believable, though. But like don't... Samter, if I ask you, is your expectation that we're going to hang out this weekend? Yeah. And and you yeah. go, eh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not really convincing, is is what I'm saying. I believe Mac will be the starter this weekend for the Patriots, but I do think we are inching to the territory, and he's been pulled two times this year. Where eventually they're going to go to somebody else. And it's all about the timing of the schedule too. This weekend, they play the Bills. That's a 40-13 game if I've ever seen one coming. And that game is at one Patriot place too. And the following week, they play the Miami Dolphins. And the Patriots actually played the Dolphins somewhat tight, at least for the first 30 minutes the last time those two teams went up in week two. That's going to be another game where they lose like 45-13. to 13. After that week, They then play the commanders. They're not going to Bailey Zappi. I know the fans were happy for Zappi last year, but the team at one point waived him this offseason, right before they, you know, right as they were trimming down the roster to to 53 names. Malik Cunningham gave you some explosive moments in the preseason, and you also need a quarterback that can make plays that could be mobile. I do think by the end of the year, we will see one game of Malik Cunningham, if not multiple games. Where he's at least given the opportunity to start. Let's go to Robert Sala. He was on Good Morning Football earlier this AM on the NFL Network. And Robert Sala was asked about Aaron Rodgers' rehab and his comeback from the Achilles injury.
3: What he's doing, according to them, is absolutely ridiculous. For him to be walking already, I wouldn't put anything past him. You know, he, he is willing himself uh, to, to return faster than what you're supposed to be. Like, he, it's amazing. I think he's fueled by doubt. I mean, I don't think I know. He's fueled by doubt. You doubt the more you doubt him, the more he, the more fuel he has, and um, you know he's on a mission. And uh, there's one thing I've learned about him is that when he has something on his mind and he's got to, and he wants to prove something, he's gonna prove it. Um, so a lot of people can doubt him. I, I'm not doubting him. You know, we're leaving the door open for him. But uh, it's amazing to see how hard he's been working and uh, and the intent at which he's been doing it.
1: So I appreciate the hard work. Of Aaron Rodgers. I appreciate him wanting to come back this year, but you could believe and you could think and you could speak it into the universe that you're going to come back. And then it's also going to be, is your body physically ready to return? And if you return too soon, can you do further damage to your body that could impact next season? And I know that people have talked about the special surgery that he got and the quick road to recovery We're talking about a guy that got hurt 30-something days ago, though, still. It's still very, very early in this process. It's remarkable to see him walking around. It's remarkable to see him on the field before the game, throwing the football, and not using crutches on the field. But what is the pain like after you do those small things, and what is it like behind the scenes? I'm still going to sit here, and I'm not going out of limb when I say this. I'm going to sit here and say we don't see Rodgers again this year. But if we do see Rodgers again, is he actually ready? Or is this Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm the great Aaron Rodgers, bleep you, I have positive thoughts right now, and I'm not going to listen to some doctors and what people have done in the past, and I'm going to show everyone that they're wrong and that I could just do this just for the sake of doing it. And that may not be the right thing. It's his body. God bless him. Do what you want. But until I see him back on the field taking a hit, yeah, I'm still going to believe that we won't see Rodgers until 2024, and I don't mean like January of 2024, I mean next year at the start of the 2024 regular season. Here is Aaron Rodgers on being on the headset during the Eagles game when he was on the sideline for the Jets, courtesy of the Pat McAfee show.
3: You know, I like helping out. So I was on the headset every game in the preseason. I think the coaches appreciate it. Listen, I don't think I had a major impact on the game. Maybe calmed some people's nerves. Maybe a couple thoughts I threw out—you know—might have gotten taken into account and, and made their way into the into the call. But uh, for me, it just it, again—it was all the parts of feeling a little bit more normal, feeling like I was a part of it, feeling like I was back.
1: So I like how Rogers is there, and I like how Rogers is contributing to however he can contribute to the team considering the injury. But when he said calming some nerves, who is that directed to? Is that to the head coach, Robert Sala, who's, like, jacked up all the time? Is that to his BFF, Nathaniel Hackett, or is that to Zach Wilson? Sam, if you had to take a guess, you used to be a Jet fan. Now you're like, oh, go Chiefs, and you're doing all that lame crap. If you had to get into the cabeza of Aaron Rodgers when he says he's trying to calm somebody's nerves, is that Sala, is that Hackett, or is that Zach Wilson when he's on the headset?
2: I think it's all of it. Later on in the interview, he discussed – how while he was on the headset, there's a lot of voices all talking to Hackett and throughout and to Wilson throughout the game. And so he kind of serves as that calming voice yeah. for the process. So I don't think he's specifically talking about Wilson or Hackett. I think he's just saying the process sometimes gets out of control and he's the calming voice to bring it all down.
1: So ba- basically what you're saying is he's like the binky to a baby in this role. Where you have Hackett, you have Sala, you have Zach Wilson. They may all be crying or they may be all um, at a different level of energy. And, right, you have a a, a young uh, child now, right? Nine or, or ten months old uh, daughter, correct? Ten-month-old daughter. And sometimes you're like, oh, we need the child to be a little bit quiet, to calm down. So you get the binky out. Rogers is basically the binky to Sala, to Hackett, and to Zach Wilson. I
2: think that's his new nickname. Aaron the Binky <laughs> Rogers.
1: <laughs> I don't think he would like that all that much. Uh Let's get a little uh, check around the room. Stu, yes or no? You a fan of Dan Campbell? Big fan of Dan Campbell. Samter, you ready to bite off some kneecaps for Dan Campbell? I always
2: liked Dan Campbell, but I didn't think that his brand and his style would ever actually work. I thought he'd be fun for a little bit. The fact that it's actually turned around a franchise. I've always liked his personality and liked his approach, but now seeing that it's actually working is shocking to me. But
1: yes, huge fan. He was an acquired taste for me. I'll admit it. When I first heard Dan Campbell, I was similar to Sam where It's not like I would bleep Dan Campbell. I don't like this guy. I thought his shtick would eventually get old very soon, and he just gave me major college coaches vibes, where I thought he'd be this great rah-rah coach inside the Big Ten, never in the NFL. But Dan Campbell has shut everybody up. Dan Campbell now has a dominant football team. Dan Campbell now has a team that could be playing in the Super Bowl this year. And I don't think that's far-fetched where you look at this Lions team. There's not a lot of flaws outside of just not having that experience. Like the offensive line is good, led by Panay Sewell. All right, they got to get healthy at the running back spot with Montgomery and Gibbs. Jared Gossman better than anyone thought he could ever be in Detroit. You got two good wide receivers and Amara Saint Brown and Jamison Williams will develop into one. Sam Laporte is a really good young tight end in this league. And defensively, you're led by Aiden Hutchinson, and Alex Anzalone, they got a damn good football team. And they got a confident football team as well. So I give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell. With that being said, though, we go around the room. Stu likes Dan Campbell. Samter now loves Dan Campbell. I now am a big fan of Dan Campbell as well. Aaron Rodgers, to no surprise. Because whenever everyone's on one side, there's always got to be one contrarian. Aaron Rodgers loves to play that role in the Pat McAfee show. And he admit he's not the biggest fan of Dan Campbell.
3: Yeah, I have some mixed thoughts over the years. Whoa! Um, I think, oh, Whoa! He followed uh, one of my all-time favorite coaches in Miami, uh, Joe Philbin. And, you know, there were some things said during that time which I felt like were not the classiest stuff. I think there's a way of following uh, coaches where you don't have to slam the previous guy in order to make yourself feel better.
1: So... From all accounts, Joe Philbin seems like a, a really good man. But just because you're a really good man doesn't mean that you're a phenomenal head coach. And Joe Philbin, when he was with the Miami Dolphins, his highlights were being 8-8. Eight and eight. That's not good. So when you're taking over for someone and Philbin was fired in, in, you know right after week four, you got to change things up a bit. Now, I don't know if Campbell slammed him publicly. I don't know if he pulled a, a Sean Payton to Nathaniel Hackett if that was the case then there's some wrong in that but it's almost as if I know that Philbin is a favorite of Rogers and Rogers loves him but it doesn't mean that what Dan Campbell was saying in the moment was necessarily wrong because you never know what opportunities you're going to get and when you get an interim opportunity you got to take that baton and run with it because it could be a job audition right there in in the moment or years later when people think you're ready to become a head coach in this league here is Dak Prescott on the failed tush-push in the game last night.
3: I didn't push my tush enough. <laughs> no, just didn't get it, honestly. Um, yeah, just didn't get it, wish, uh, wish we did, obviously. That would turn into more points, but yeah, let's get a new name for that.
1: Stu, do you think they should ban the tush-push, just wondering? I do not. I think uh, teams will adjust eventually and it'll be, you know, it'll be a play that teams use, but it won't be a play that is so successful like it is for the Eagles. Samter, are you uh, anti-tush push here? Are you anti-tush push? No, I love it. Here's the thing. I'm not against the tush push, but I do find it funny that you have so many people that look at the Eagles and go, this thing should be banned. But then all these other teams run it, and it seems like they can't replicate the success that the Eagles have. So there has to be some skill to the tush push, and we all know the Eagles have this dominant offensive line. But we're just talking about pushing your quarterback for a yard, and Jalen Hurts is a really strong guy, so that has to play a role into it as well. But it's amazing. All these other teams run it, and they don't have nearly as close to the success as the Philadelphia Eagles have. Here is uh, Teddy Bruski on his hopes for Bill Belichick. This was courtesy of ESPN.
0: I want him to coach his ass off this season, and get how would it? Easy Six, seven wins. All right. Have them playing respectable by the end of the season, and walk away. Mm. That's what I want my former coach to do. Don't Shula doesn't matter. You've got you've got multiple Super Bowls over Shula. You're a better coach.
1: So I heard that whole thing, and Teddy Bruski did go on to say, at this point, Bill's just coaching for himself, right, with the Shula record. He knows the Bill Belichick that he knew was all about winning championships and the success of the team. I have no problem, and I think that record means a lot to Bill, but at, like, what cost? Because the legacy talk is ridiculous. Like, people that get on shows today and are like, oh, Bill Belichick is nothing without Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is a terrible coach. You're an idiot. Because for 20 years, and I'm a Patriot fan, how many times did I hear people say, oh, it's all Belichick, and Brady's just a product of the system? So now it's just the flavor because Bill's been bad to just slam Bill and make it worse than what it actually is on his legacy. Bill needed Brady. Brady needed Bill to get to six titles. Do I believe Bill could have gone somewhere and won in his own? Yes. Do I think Brady could have gone somewhere and won in his own? Yes, we've seen that. But to get to a dynasty, to get to 20 years of greatness, to get to six championships, they both needed each other. I don't think that's a bad take by Teddy Bruski, but I would take it one step further. Not retire, go somewhere else. If I'm Bill Belichick, do what Brady did a few years ago. Go identify a team that needs you. Go identify a team that has a head start with a lot of talent. Brady identified the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It resulted in a Super Bowl. Go look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Brandon Staley, not ready. Kellen Moore, not a good offensive coordinator right now. If I'm Belichick, I'm saying, Kraft, trade me to the Chargers or fire me, whatever. Just get me out of this deal. And go to the Chargers and see if you go get one final Super Bowl before you hang him up. Let's go to Warren Sapp on the rumors that John Gruden could be joining Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh if they fire Matt Canada and make Gruden the offensive coordinator.
4: I can't even say what John said. (laughs) Can't even say what John said. No, Mike T said, I don't know who writes this stuff, on. I said, yeah, all right, boom. He's going to watch his kid play Mm. football down at uh, Ivy League school, so... John and me are scheduling a golf uh, outing this weekend, so it's creamsicle week in Tampa, so trust me, I no, he's not
1: going. Now, not that Warren Sapp is the end-all, be-all, but clearly they had a conversation, Warren Sapp and, and John Gruden. I always had a tough time when this report came out two weeks ago, seeing John Gruden back on an NFL sideline and being an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. I don't think he should be a head coach again in the NFL. I don't think he will be a head coach again in the NFL. But you have to check your ego if you want to be an O.C., and I don't think Gruden would be able to do that, even though he is addicted to the game of football. Let's hear a Notre Dame fan running on the field after Notre Dame beat USC, and a Notre Dame fan went right to Caleb Williams to get the social media moment. Ah!
4: Ah, We did it! Let me see those nails down, bro! Let me see those nails down, bro! Come on!
0: Ah! We did it! We did it! We did it! We did it! We
1: did it! We did it! You know, two things here. It's kind of crazy, and I'm not against storming the field, but it's crazy how quickly the fan can get to the player now. There should be some buffer period where it's like, USC, don't shake hands with Notre Dame, just quickly get you off the field, and then we'll allow the fans to storm the field. Now, I know the universities will never allow the fans to storm the field because they get fined, but I don't think I would have the cojones if I was a fan at that age as a student to run up to the player and be like, ah, you paint your nails. Ah! And you know what? If the player, and I know we saw this a few weeks ago, ended up punching the fan back, you kind of get what you deserve. All righty. Uh, let me play one more. Uh, here is Trevor May who announced his retirement. I think this was on a Twitch stream, his own uh, Twitch stream. And then he rips the A's owner in his retirement speech. To the A's organization and every single person part of it, I love all of you except for one guy. We all know who that guy is. Sell the team, dude. Sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own own something. There's actually people who give a shit about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else. It is what it is. Reality is you got, you got handed everything you have. And now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Good job there by Trevor May. Now, I always say this about John Fisher. I understand why you would want to move the team from Oakland to To Vegas? I get that. But just because I understand why you would want to do that doesn't mean that other people have to like it. And I do like how Trevor May didn't even mention the owner by name. He's just like, oh, that guy that made all of his money from his mommy and his daddy and got handed everything. That's a good rip job there by Trevor May. All right, we'll come on back. This is Zach Gilb, show on CBS Sports Radio Update Time. First, here he is the Ackman, Rich Ackerman.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Well, that was quick in Carolina. Thomas Brown is now going to be the offensive play caller as Frank Reich has given up those duties. And that makes me say one thing. Why was Frank Reich hired to be the head football coach of this team? And Frank Reich is a well-respected name in the NFL. Frank Reich, I think, is starting to show you that he was more of a good offensive coordinator and a guy that wasn't a disaster as a head coach. But he's not someone that I need to hire as a head football coach in the year of 2023. And this is not revisionist history. This is not, oh, let me dance on on a grown man's grave when things aren't going well and they're winless through the first six weeks of the season, I never understood the Frank Reich hire when the Panthers brought him in during the offseason. I know usually when teams make hires and when it was so bad in the previous tenure of of the coach that they try to go the complete opposite. So they go from a college coach to a guy that's been an NFL lifer and a guy that is considered to be, right, like a grown adult in the NFL and a well-respected name in the NFL. But a lot of times, the guys that are well-respected in the NFL and that everyone likes don't always turn out to be and pan out to be these great head coaches. And the last two years in Carolina, or the last two years in Indianapolis, I saw a Frank Reich team that was constantly unprepared, a Frank Reich team that... That in their strongest positional group on the offensive line regress. A Frank Reich team that could never go into Jacksonville and get the job done. And a Frank Reich team that got owned by the Tennessee Titans. And last year, this is the most damaging stat. Frank Reich, where if you don't have a good team, you would think, okay, a head coach could script some plays. And could get a team to show up in the first 30 minutes. He was outscored last year. In Indianapolis, 118-42 to in just the first 30 minutes of, of football games. He never had a lead at halftime before he got fired in season by the Indianapolis Colts. And the Panthers, with their dopey owner in David Tepper, says, Yeah, I need the guy that couldn't win in Jacksonville, that had just terrible performances up against Tennessee, And the last two years, constantly never had his team prepared for games. That's who they hired. And it's like, okay, if you hire him, you're hiring him because you have the number one overall pick. And I know they eventually moved up, but you were looking to go get your long-term quarterback. And you think he's the quarterback whisperer. He's the offensive guru. And after six games, you say, yeah, we got to change the play calling. So it's like, what is Frank Reich there to do? What is Frank Reich doing really well? What is going to be the things at the end of the year where if you're David Tepper, you say, I need to see more of Frank Reich. Like, we know what Frank Reich is. He's a good guy. He's a really good offensive coordinator when he doesn't have head coaching duties. But as a head coach, he's, eh, he's mediocre. He's not someone that I need to have. Like, he's not a disaster, but he's never going to be great. I do think Frank Reich is going to be back as the head coach next year for the Carolina Panthers, but I think he's on the hot seat. And I would be stunned if they turn it around enough where after the 2024 season wraps up, that David Tepper, who has so many problems that are led by his own incompetence, says, oh yeah, I got to bring Frank Reich back for another season. And I got to bring him back for a third year. I have a tough time believing that. And you know the Panthers will be aggressive this offseason. You know they're going to go get more talent for Bryce Young because they got to go save Bryce Young right now. But a few years into a tenure, a few years into a job, you're already giving up play calling duties? I go back to it, and I said this at the time when they hired Frank Reich. I said, it's a very underwhelming hire. And if they couldn't go get a big name, a name that would be inspiring, a name that would make me believe, they should have just kept what was working. And they should have ripped the interim tag off of Steve Wilkes because Steve Wilkes did a heck of a job for the Panthers down the stretch last year, gave them a shot to go win that terrible division, and they should have just continued to rock and roll with something that was working in Steve Wilkes. But instead, you didn't get a big name, you didn't get the right coach, and now you bring in Frank Reich that's a big name in NFL circles and is a nice guy and a guy that a lot of people like, but he's never been this super-duper successful head coach, and that's what the Panthers need. Eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two forty two twenty seven. Let's go to Jay in Nashville. Next up on CBS Sports Radio, Jay, what's happening?
4: Hey, I recall me, you, and Perloff. It was the day uh, Maggie had to take off, and you had a feeling for Maggie. It was like right before the draft. I was walking around Costco, and we were talking about this. And I remember you guys. I remember you guys putting me on the spot. because I was trying to argue, like, Look, oh, no, they need to take Bryce and. I remember you in you, you, you particular were like, look, you know what type of quarterback Frank Reich likes. Who do you think, like, just after everything you just said, who do you think is the most logical decision here? I could, I had to say C.J. Stroud, which he was. And it looked like that C.J. Stroud would have been the better
1: option in this situation. Cause, and you know what, Jay? I mean, like, That's the best defense what? people could have of Frank Reich. If you want to talk about his his tenure so far, because to Frank Reich's credit, from what a lot of people have said, including Adam Schefter, he wanted C.J. Stroud, and it was the dopey owner that wanted Bryce Young. And personally, to be fair, I like Bryce Young better than C.J. Stroud, but so far through the tenure, it hasn't even been close. C.J. Stroud's been the better quarterback.
4: It's not that he's not better than C.J. Stroud. It's just, look, I watched the play. The only, the only time I've seen uh, Bryce play this year, I watched the play where he barely got, like, one of the uh, defensive linemen already was double teamed. All he did was reach a hand out and just slap him in the back. It was almost like a horse collar, but it was just from that heavy hand, it made Bryce fold up like a pretzel. It was, I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. And it's like, if that's barely the, the hand swipe or a club to the back of the neck is taking him down like that, they need to sit him for the rest of you the year till they get somebody or get a lock. Because I was saying that when we were talking, like, dude, I wouldn't draft him if you can't
1: protect him. Hey, Jay, I got to let you run because we're up against him. I appreciate the phone call. Good stuff. Always great to hear from you. That's the one defense of Frank Reich is that he wanted C.J. Straub, but the owner stepped in. And that shows you how much a disaster David Tepper is. I I used this analogy last week. David Tepper's the guy that never cooked a meal in his life, owns a restaurant, and tells the chef of 20 years, yeah, I'm going to cook the chicken parm tonight. Not going to be good chicken parm.